0: Hey guys, it's Drew and Paul here with the start of our series on Galatians. So Paul, I know you've been teaching a course on Galatians at Sattler College, and so we wanted to sit down here and talk a bit about some of your insights, some of the things that are on your mind as you look at the book of Galatians so maybe you could just start us out here a bit with some of your thoughts kind of on a broad level of what you think when you think of the book of Galatians. Yeah, Galatians is an incredibly fascinating few pages. Uh, it's
1: incredible how much discussion can be generated out of and how much study, how many books and uh, how much there is to think and and even application questions and such out of just a few pages of you know, this ancient letter. Um, it's a great in a lot of ways it's in what i what I um discovered in a, in a new way through teaching this this class this past semester it's a great entry point into uh the study of Paul's theology more broadly um but it can be a bit confusing in 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 many ways um I have to throw in a little shout out to the apostle Peter since i'm hmm. uh i' wrapping up my study of of second Peter and uh Paul can sometimes be hard to understand as as Peter says um, so i think I think one of the 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 big questions that that we should maybe ask initially is like what to what is Galatians as a whole about? what holds the whole thing together um, it's a It's a relatively intense letter it's sort of paul sort of angry uh, and and dashing off this this you know. Frustrated letter uh, but beyond that, what are the themes that uh, that hold this whole thing together and people have people have suggested different different uh, different themes sort of uh, in the um, sort of reformation post reformation um, sort of school of tradition or or stream of tradition, I should say, um, often people think of justification by faith as being the center uh, theme of the letter to Galatians. Um, more recently with the new perspective on Paul and, and other, other, uh, approaches to Pauline studies, we, uh, people have, scholars have, have thought more in terms of, um, Jew Gentile, Jew Gentile relationships and, and, uh, Gentile inclusion into the, into the family, people of God. um, others emphasize the dichotomy between sort of uh, the present evil age and the age to come. But I suggest that that in, in, in a lot of ways all of those themes um, really belong together in Paul's mind and in Paul's vision. What Paul I think sometimes what we can think of really incorrectly is that we think of Paul as writing, sitting down and writing sort of a theological treatise, mm. but he's not doing that. He's like, he's sitting down and writing a letter to real people. And he's, it is just a small window into a big story world that Paul inhabits a big vision of the cosmos and of history and of, and of Christ. So if I give you one verse in Galatians that I think sort of epitomizes encapsulates so much of the theme of Galatians, it would be Galatians one verse four, where Paul says that Jesus gave Himself up for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age,
0: hmm.
1: and uh, we can we can elaborate that on sure. that a little bit
0: more. Yeah, I was just going to ask you, what do you think that present evil present evil age is in this context here?
1: Yeah, so so there's two parts to that to that verse, right? Jesus deli- gave Himself up for our sins in order to deliver us from the present evil age. So um for paul and he's in line with you know many ancient i'm sorry many contemporary jewish uh thinkers of his day and and such and we we could talk about um we could talk about some works uh, you know jewish lit- pieces of jewish literature at the time we could think of um, some of the writings of the Qumran community and such but the, basically History is sort of divided into the, the present evil age and then the future age to come. Sure. And uh, so the present evil age is this dark time where humanity is enslaved to the powers of evil, that sin runs rampant, um, that um, God's people are sort of um, exploited and oppressed by you know foreign political um, rulers and whatnot— and the hope of Israel is that someday God would step in and usher in the age to come where god's people would be um, holy and uh, the world would be put back to rights
0: mm-hmm.
1: and paul's conviction is that um, Paul is not unique in 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 having this sort of dichotomy uh you know this this two this two age framework but he is very unique in saying, I mean, he and, and his fellow Christians, that the age to come, um, or as he talks about it in the letter, um, even new creation, has, has dawned in the coming, in the death and resurrection of Jesus. So the letter opens with him saying that um, Jesus has given up himself for our sins in order to deliver us from the present evil age, and it closes by saying that uh, what matters is not circumcision or uncircumcision, but what matters is new creation. Sure. So I think that 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 the present evil age for Paul, and, and we can we'll talk a little bit more about what Paul means by the elements of the world. This weird mm-hmm. Greek phrase, the stichio tu um But I think for Paul, it's 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 not just a spiritual thing. It encapsulates the whole the whole broken world, and includes the powers of evil. includes political d- dynamics. It includes the sin in my own heart. It includes. The old age of the Torah and observing Torah mm. and all that. And the contrast is, is to new creation, which includes the transformation of my heart, the forgiveness of my sins, um, new life in, in a community that's, that is, you know, Jews and Gentiles together in one new family, and also the coming actual recreation of the
0: physical cosmos. Right. Yeah, so speaking of the old age of the Torah, I know one thing that really stood out to me when I went through. Just a little personal study of Galatians. I think it was earlier this year. Um, but you, the verse you read there, verse, verse 4, this little greeting here. And then we're barely into the book at all, and we have verse 6. I am astonished that you are so quickly <laughs> deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turned into a different gospel. He just kind of throws it right out yeah. there right at the beginning. Get- yeah, he's earlier. just like, man. Yeah. <laughs> my, favorite, my favorite
1: part, though, is like 2 verse 1, I think. Where he's like, you stupid Galatians. Oh yeah. Like I I always challenge people. Like you know, consider starting a sermon that way.
0: Right. (laughs) (laughs) So, would you want to give a little bit of context for what you think? What what was prompting him to need to specifically say this to the to the to the Galatians?
1: Yeah. So, it's tricky because, as scholars point out, we only have one side of the conversation, as it were, and so there's a danger. So there's all discussions about. the idea of mirror reading, trying to like, read, trying to deduce clues from this letter, from the one side of the conversation about what the other people would believe. Mm. And it can be dangerous to do that, but um, there are some things that we can be relatively certain about. Um, <clears throat> it seems that, so these are the opponents, or the false teachers, or the false brethren, or however you dub them. Um, almost certainly they are... They are Christian. They are professing Christians. Like they, they, they are Jesus believers. Jesus believers. Um, they're Jewish, um, and they believe that it's, it's a little. Some there's some things are debated. Um, whether they believe that you actually need to follow the Torah in order to be saved at all, maybe they do. Um, but it's also possible that they simply believe that in order you can be sort of a almost like a second class second tier, <laughs> mm. you know, sure. uh, Christian or whatever, mm-hmm. um, as a Gentile who's a god who's like almost like God-fearer status. You know, you believe in Jesus, but like you still can't really be fully welcomed in the family. But in order to be like really really in and really part of, share the in the the table of fellowship and be really part of God's people, God's one people, this eschatological, you know, um, people of God, you have to follow Torah. And they would, they would say, look, I mean, Messiah, yes, Messiah has come and, um, brought, is bringing God's purposes, you know, to fulfillment and, and you must, you know, entrust your life to him and such. And you also then must live, um, the way that God has commanded His people to live, which is through the Torah, and that's what it means to be part of God's true family, right? And maybe even to be saved. That that part's a little, you know. Sure. And Paul says, "Oh, absolutely not." He, uh, <laughs>
0: Paul is irate, right, for a number, for a few reasons, I think. So, looking looking at Galatians one here, why do you, why do you think Paul is so concerned about? Kind of establishing his apostleship here, and even the bit here in verse nineteen, where he's saying he saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. Like, is that a significant part of kind of the credibility of what he's trying to say, or why? Why is he? Why is he putting that?
1: that yeah, way? yeah. He seems to be very, very worked up about the fact that, um, indeed, his his gospel message is 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 directly from Jesus. And and this is again where we we start we start thinking. So exactly what were the, the opponents or whatever, what were they saying, right? And we can speculate that maybe they were saying things like, well, you know, sure, he, he's taught you some good things, but, like, he's not, he's, he wasn't one of the apostles that actually walked with Jesus. He's not, yeah. like, he's sort of a secondhand guy, mm-hmm. and he knows some stuff, and that's helpful, but, like, now you need to advance and sort of get the fuller information, the fuller teaching that comes from Maybe in their minds, some of the Jewish uh-huh. apostles in Jerusalem right. is a distortion of maybe what they were teaching, um, or or just trying to discredit him, saying, "Look, he's not; he, his message isn't really, you know, it's maybe an outlier. It's it's not as whatever." And so Paul's like, "No, no, like I actually heard this directly from Jesus, uh-huh. and yeah, and and like I am an apostle, Jesus." commissioned me as an apostle, just like he commissioned, you know, any of the others. Uh-huh. And also, just to boot, like, the other apostles um, accepted my, my gospel, too. Right. So,
0: you know, yeah. there's that. So we, do we have any reason to think he had any difficulty or criticism coming from the apostles themselves, or is this all people outside of the, the well, apostles that are giving him? Yeah, prayer?
1: and this raises a whole other set of questions, but about the relationship to the Jerusalem Council. And and the discussions and debates that went on there in Acts 15, um, and there's debates over the dating of Galatians and with respect to the council. Um, I think that this comes afterwards. That Galatians is written after the the decrees of the council. Um, so yeah, there are, but th- that's debated. Um, it is it is very. I mean, this takes us sort of back to Acts, um, and it's. Almost, yes, there was debate, and there was probably a, a good bit of um, intense debate. Like uh, mm-hmm. you know, I think in our circles we're used to mm-hmm. we get we get really really afraid if somebody if there's a slight bit of tension in you know right. a brothers meeting at church or something. But these are Middle Eastern people, right? So they're probably shouting and uh, and there's you know the faction the James faction in Jerusalem and stuff, and uh, they come to an agreement. Um, but yeah, there's definitely some tension. Uh, it, it's a, it's such a. I think we forget how incredibly new and crazy th- it was for this group of committed Jewish people to all of a sudden believe that they needed to consider Gentiles part mm. of. God's people, right. You know, right? This shocked Peter, right? So I think the apostles were on board. Um, but I do think, yeah, there, there was, it took them a lot to work through. And P- Paul may have been sort of at the cutting edge of that a little bit since, since he worked with the Gentiles more than, you know, some of the other apostles. Right. So at the end, though, at the end of the day, I think fundamentally the apostles, the other apostles and Paul were were in agreement. Absolutely.
0: Right. Exactly. So yeah, it's clear that there's something here that is very troubling to Paul, and this this other gospel has him quite quite worked up. Um, but we're going to talk about that in our next podcast. So stay tuned as we look at chapter two a little bit and what all is behind this second gospel. Yeah, because think about it, Paul. These false
1: teachers are not saying, "Oh, you don't have to believe in Jesus." Mm. They're also uh, not easy believers in people at all. So at first glance, it doesn't seem like Mm -hmm. people would have the biggest problem with it. But why does Paul think that these are like the worst, this is like the worst
0: development? We'll find out.